Welcome to Rocking Our Priors. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Okay. Men comprise 90% of heads of state, 90% of Fortune 500 CEOs, and 90% of applications for patents. Prestigious positions are dominated by men. Why is this? Motherhood, discrimination, social networks and patriarchal institutions all play a role. But there may also be gender differences in personality. Men are typically more confident and more competitive. Is equality then doomed? Should women be urged to lean in? And how much do gender differences in personality really matter. For starters, male confidence seems to encourage wider confidence in men. In the Quarterly Journal of Economics, Christine Exley and Judd Kessler investigate gender differences in confidence. So 4,000 online participants were tested on maths and science. On average, women answered 9.94 questions correctly and men answered 9.34 questions correctly. Yet, before even knowing the results, men confidently predicted success. They believed they had answered 11.05 questions correctly, on average, that is. Online participants were then told that their maths and science answers may be shared with, with potential employers, in the, in the game, that is. Before even knowing the results, male participants were much more eager to self-promote and believe that they would be successful in a job requiring these skills. Yet, even when women were informed of their absolute and relative performance, they were still much more pessimistic than the men. A further experiment asked 298 quote-unquote employers to hire workers and set wages. They received information from the self-evaluations. Employers were systematically more likely to hire workers who had expressed self-confidence, i.e. men. So the men bigged themselves up, the employers only heard those self-reports, and they thought, oh, right, great, I'll hire these fantastic men since they say they're so good. Curiously, it seems that macho bravado amplified employer confidence. Now, Curiously, there was no gender gap in self-perceptions or self-promotion when participants completed a verbal task, so female insecurity is not inevitable. Okay, here's another experiment uh, by Christine Exley and Kirby Nielsen. They asked 400 participants to complete a maths and science test, then evaluate their own performance. Males were systematically more optimistic, even when their performance was exactly the same. Only 50%, only 56% of men, but 80% of women believed their performance was poor. Another set of participants were invited to act as evaluators. These evaluators were marginally more optimistic about men, but not statistically differently from the actual performance gap. Then, after hearing the workers' self-evaluations... Evaluators were significantly more pessimistic. The evaluators' expected performance gap was six times larger than the true performance gap. So men's exceptional confidence thus encourages wider confidence in men, whereas women's insecurities sow wider doubts. 
So ladies, here is the implication. Even if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, don't tell anyone. Because <laughs> they'll believe it too. Right. Okay, what about survey evidence? Well, male economists at top US universities are much more likely to give extreme judgments about the economy beyond their expertise and with great confidence. So even after breaking this glass ceiling, making it into the top, top universities in the US, entering the highest echelons, women are much more circumspect about fields outside their expertise. Um, and this comes from uh, Heather Sarsons and uh, Guo Zhu. So clever girls, uh, this is a new study, this is in Sciences Advances, uh, Clotilde Knapp and Thomas, uh, Thomas Breeder, they surveyed 500,000 students in 72 countries on their self-belief. Students in the PISA 2018, which is a sort of uh, exercise of testing reading and writing, reading, writing, yeah, numerical skills, they were asked to report the extent to which they agreed with the following claim. When I am failing, I am afraid that I might not have enough talent. Across the OECD, 47% of boys and 61% of girls agreed. They blamed themselves when they failed, not the external environment. Now, this isn't meant as a general measure of self-confidence. There's no correlation with self-confidence in reading, but there is a positive correlation with gender gaps in students feeling personally responsible when failing in maths. And, get this, high-performing girls are much more likely to attribute failure to their own lack of talent. That is, the clever girls, the girls most capable of getting to the top, are most worried about their own inabilities. So, grappling with insecurity and anxiety. Now, conditional on abilities, gender gaps in attributing failure to lack of talent are curiously higher in more developed and more gender-equal countries. So even though the Middle East and North Africa is extremely patriarchal, girls rarely attribute their own failure to lack of talent. Now, here I'll disappoint you, but I don't know why. Now, men are also much, much more competitive. So gender gaps in competitiveness have been widely observed. There are 100 experiments on this. Overconfidence in men seems to exacerbate this gap. Um, and there's a paper on this by Muriel Niederle and Lisa Vesterlund. So heightened competitiveness may may affect career choices with long-run implications for earnings. You know, even with the exact same academic performance, Dutch boys pursue more prestigious tracks, and that's partly due to competitiveness. So personality, culture, and institutions all interact. Let me theorise in very, very general terms, not about any specific country or period, okay? So if men are typically more confident and competitive, they're more likely to seek seniority. Heightened motivation may turbocharge men's ascendance to the top. Once men run institutions of government, business, unions, judiciary, religion and cultural production, they can rig the rules of the game. Guild membership was restricted, for example, electoral institutions barred suffrage, government still denies support for motherhood, and the police may disregard rape, right? And piety, let's not forget piety. Piety apparently requires, you know, female submission and seclusion. 
So even if only a tiny, tiny, tiny minority of men make it to the top, this may actually lift all boats, at least ideologically. If terms like intelligent and genius are reserved for men, such as in American newspapers, this may reinforce gender stereotypes. Non-elite men may also be revered as knowledgeable authorities, deserving deference. If men feel entitled to deference, they may react aggressively to insufficient respect to prevent offence. Women preemptively apologise. I'm sorry. Discrimination may depress competitiveness. Male-dominated domains may presume men more talented, more competent, and devalue women's contributions to group work, as Heather Sarson shows is true in economics. Rightly predicting rejection women may not even negotiate wages. There's a Taylor Swift song, um, one of the lines, which I will not sing. Uh, Oh, God, I can't even say it because it makes me sound so dorky. Um, But one of the lines, let me just say it straight, not in a singing voice, every conquest I had made would make me more of a boss to you. I sound terribly speaking that. Anyway, okay, let's move on. My female insecurities aside. Okay, global cultural variation. So none of this is is inevitable. There is huge cultural global variation. Matrilineal girls are equally competitive. Communism also reduced the gap. Command economies have produced many more female champions in chess. Command economy, uh, post-communist countries also have far greater economic parity. So socialization clearly matters. Now, if central planning doesn't appeal, then there's some evidence of the efficacy of interventions. Mentoring poor girls helps close the gender gap in competitiveness. The world has also made really rapid progress towards gender equality. 44% of Russian published economists are women. 10 Latin American countries now require gender balance among legislative candidates. In the US, women now account for 43% of House Democrats. Although American men reported greater proclivity to negotiate their salaries in the 1900s, this gender difference has now reversed. Okay, I want to talk about institutions. If women are typically less confident and less competitive, then we should expect greater progress to equality in countries with more inclusive institutions and media scrutiny. These act as powerful checks and balances. In the 1960s, as you know, US campaigners secured the Equal Pay and Civil Rights Act. This increased pay, especially for women on the lowest rungs rungs. What matters here is not the legislation, and it's a big mistake I think when people focus on legislation, but rather employers' anticipation of penalties. And that's contingent on strong, independent courts and a culture of litigation. In Canada, public sector disclosure salary laws reduce the gender pay gap by between 20 and 40 percent. Media scrutiny is probably really important because universities care about their reputations. Female-friendly trade unions are equally salient. If employers are sexist bullies, women may counter with union representation. The same goes for gender quotas in politics. Affirmative action ameliorates gender gaps in proclivity to self-promote. By contrast, where courts are corrupt, unions silenced and media muzzled, then women are 
effectively alone. Gender differences in personality are likely much more consequential under authoritarianism because there is no backup. And let's bear in mind, 64% of people do live under authoritarianism. Now, firm size and informality are equally important. 60% of the world's workforce is informal. Tiny firms are unregulated and and ununionized. Without checks and balances, women are on their own. Once we step back and recognize the great gender divergence, small gender differences in personality seem relatively marginal. In rich industrialized countries, in democracies, the biggest obstacle to economic parity is the motherhood penalty. In poorer authoritarian countries, it's economic stagnation and repression. Just look at the Middle East. As I was saying earlier, girls rarely attribute their failures to lack of talent, but they are nevertheless obstructed. Middle East and North African countries have the lowest rates of female employment and representation, alongside very sexist laws and ideologies. So for me, you know, I I accept these experiments on gender differences and confidence and competitiveness, but it's not getting at the major drivers in of patriarchy today. In rich industrialized countries, it's motherhood penalty. In poor and authoritarian countries, it's economic stagnation and repression. This is Dr. Alice Evans. Thank you so much for listening and wishing you all well.